I don't think the digital facelift looks weird on me. Hello and welcome to the Oncast Grand Rewatch. My name is Dom, there's one half of the Oncast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello! This week we conclude our Marvel Origins series by watching the new Marvel movie, which is Captain Marvel, in cinemas as of yesterday. Yeah. And yeah, we just got back from the cinema, and we're going to talk about it. As yes. As much as we can. <laughs> yeah. So we, we're going to have to, at some point during this, we're going to have to put in a spoilers yeah, thing. Yeah, so we don't often do that, but this one especially... And without giving things away, there's a there's so little that you see in the trailer mm. that has a significant effect. Uh, this on is the something film. We, were t- we were talking about last week in terms of looking forward to this and the next Avengers movie is that they've now got to a point where they don't need to show too much in the trailers. Yeah, but now having seen the movie, I completely get why they have done what they've done. Yeah, because yeah, there's a turning point. Everything gets flipped on its head in a cool way. But yeah, anyway, first impressions walking out of it. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. So, as someone that's not super familiar with, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm super up to date on the modern Captain Marvel lore. Mm. So, I read the first and maybe second volume of yeah. the Kelly Sudaconic run from the well when Carol Danvers became Captain Marvel rather than Ms. Marvel. But my more sort of familiarity is pre that yeah. and some of the other Captain Marvels that have been a thing. Mm. How about you? Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't quite what I was expecting in terms of the scale of it. Yeah, like I wanted, I was expecting more of a sort of epic, like space war between the Kree and the Scrolls sort of thing, and that yeah. see that whole side of things. And I feel like it was a bit more small scale, or it felt a little bit small scale. Yeah, but so in that sense, it was not not disappointing is the wrong words, just different from what I expected. Yeah, and it's similar to the same thing I felt about Guardians Two. Yeah, I think Guardians 2, I was expecting there to be sort of action-wise, I had certain expectations that weren't met. Yeah. It's not to say I didn't enjoy it, it was just not quite what I was expecting. Yeah. But now I'm really excited about where they can take it next. Yeah. And um, yeah, the way that they've been very, very clever in what they, the way they've set it up, because they've allowed themselves time to be able to do other things. Yeah, and that's really, um, really clever. Yeah, they like, they know what they're doing so well. Yeah. I love it. Like, the, the whole 90s setting was great, and they played it just the right amount, I think. Mm-hmm. There were jokes in there which were great. Again, I won't spoil what the jokes are, because you know, we don't want to do that. But again, it, it never felt too in your face with the 90s yeah. stuff. It wasn't like, yeah, we get it. We get like, like, yeah. And there are like, it's like some of the things are like 90s references that someone will get, but at the same time, it quite safely sits in the fact that it's like a 90s, almost a period piece yeah. for the 90s. It doesn't lean too much into it, no. except for in a couple of places where you're like, okay, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, it never, it doesn't really affect the plot that much. It's the, no. the biggest impact of it will be down the line, where now they have more time to play with, mm-hmm. basically. It's another point which I think we'll have to talk about afterwards, but I'll be interested now because, yeah, I'll we'll have to talk about it once we get to the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll talk about it once so, we get to the post-credits bit. But anyway, I mean, the other thing that really struck me about it, and it's similar similar in a way to the 90s thing, is that they, I don't feel like they really shoved down your throat any sort of feminist agenda, really. No. And that's been, a, there's been a lot of shit, basically, on the internet about this movie before it's even come out, about Brie Larson and man-hating feminism and all this kind of shit. And it's I've, I've, it pisses me off, but, you know, whatever. That's how I feel about it. But finally going to see in the movie, they it isn't in your face. It isn't like no, I thought it, it could have been. They could have gone that route, and that would have annoyed me just as much, I think. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that, and I thought that was great. I thought it was incredible, sort of from start to finish, of the way that it just, everything felt so strong. There were such powerful messages in there that, would be lost in other things. Mm. And like you say, there is no agenda to this film. I don't think there is, it's, no. It's like... not anything that's been sort of force made from a gut reaction. It's It felt very natural and it felt very sensitive to dealing with certain situations in, in a way that is appropriate. Yeah. Not in a way that it's going to be somebody shouting at you in with one way to make you feel bad about something. The whole way that the people are represented in this film is just as individuals that are 
equal or better. Yeah. Because Carol, as we, we, everybody's very aware that you're watching a superhero film, is incredibly powerful. She yeah. has these powers and she has these abilities. And yeah, she's better, but, and, but everyone's aware of that. And everyone's yeah. okay with that. They're not like, who's this woman with a superpower? It's nothing like that. It's just true representation of how somebody like Captain Marvel is dealt with because she has such a powerful, powerful following for comic book fans. Yeah. Um, someone that I follow on Instagram is Kelly Sue DeConnick, who yeah. acted as a consultant on this, who wrote these amazing runs, really, really, really reinvigorated the character and has become this sort of icon yeah. of writing for this character. She's like the person now to write for Captain Marvel and Carol. And there are things that are, there are beats that come up in the film or like single lines that are taken from the comics. But yeah, it's just fucking great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I loved it. I, I kind of thought, you know, there was going to have to be some sort of big, like that there would be some really over the top sexism in it from the, and then she'd yeah. overcome that. And like they would do, they would hold, show a whole flashback thing of her being trying to be a pilot in, you know, on Earth, and like, oh, you can't do it because you're a woman and all that. And I thought that would just be a, they play that up, and then and all the rest of it, and it would just be yeah. sort of baiting. And then the idea being, oh, isn't it great when she? But they didn't do any of that. No. There was a couple of throwaway lines and and a bit of like, and a bit of you know, she had to deal with it. But then that was it. Like, yeah. I think there was just one line where it was like her and her mate who were, but there were two friends of friends who were both female fighter pilots or wanting mm-hmm. to be pilots. And I said they, they weren't allowing female uh, combat pilots in the military at the time, which was true. Yeah. And said, so the only way we could get any flight time was by signing up to this yeah. other program. And that she did, they didn't stop and then have a flashback about, all the shit they went through and how the guys put them down. All no, they just made she made that comment, which was a true comment, and then they carried on with the scene. Yeah, they it's made so- it more about the fact that women having to accept this situation, but what are they going to do to get around it? Yeah, which is what spoke and you know saying this as a man is a very different scenario. Yeah, yeah, it's true, but it spoke to me in a different way because I'm like that felt really good. Yeah. To me, it didn't, you know, and there are ways that people can be like, you have this tricky perspective that if, you know, with all these people that are shouting on the internet at the moment saying, oh, I'm not going to see this film because Brie Larson says she hates all white men. That's not what's happened at all. No, But what you see in this film is a strong message that isn't for young men it's not that message that's for them it's for somebody else that's not to say that a young man is going to see this and be less inspired no. but what that's going to do is is it feels so much more empowering for younger women yeah because they're seeing somebody on screen they're seeing somebody like carol and maria yeah who are you know the, this door's been shut but we found another way through yeah and we're getting on with this. We're doing this. Yeah. And it's not, like I say, it's not shoved down your throat. It's not this message that's about be more feminist, be this, be this, be this. It's about embracing that as normality, which as far as I'm aware that, you know, for, as as uh, as someone that considers himself a feminist, it's about equality. Yeah. And yeah, that's what's so important. And it's it's this message that they're bringing out all throughout the whole thing is really, really empowering. And it's so inspiring to see that, especially from a company like Marvel, mm. who have this massive, massive scope of visibility. But to have it, the only problem I have is that it's just late. It is late. Yeah, it is late. You know? Um, and yeah, whatever. I mean, the, the, a cynical person would say that they only committed the, to this after it was proven to be financially viable after um, Wonder Woman. Mm. which came out a couple of years ago, made a shitload of money, and then they went, yeah. oh, okay, well, maybe it's okay then. And then and then this happened. That's, the truth is, this has been in the works for longer than it, that. Yeah, exactly, it has. But And it's, yeah, you're right, maybe they it would have been better to have some of these. Do you know, it's like, when, when we, as what's happening now is we're starting to build the next set of Avengers. Yeah. 
and the Avengers that came the first time round were basically entirely a bunch of white guys mm-hmm. and one woman. Yeah. And that's it. Next time around, we're going to have um, T'Challa yeah. as Black Panther and Captain Marvel straight away. Yeah. Who are going to be like the fa- and the founding members of it. Mm-hmm. So they're already like, it just shows how it, it would have been nice if they'd done it the first time around. But then to say that both Captain Marvel and Black Panther are not exactly A-list superheroes. So it, they could have gone that way. But I could, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, the thing, so I would say that originally you're looking at what is pretty much the original lineup of the Avengers. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Was originally it was Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, um Hank Pym, the Wasp, and the Wasp, yeah. And then Captain America came in like two or three issues later. Yeah. And then eventually expanded from there. Um, Black Widow was brought in because she is a very popular character and she's covered so much area within the comic books. Mm. But it would have been it would have been tough to do it then and it would have been uh it wouldn't have followed the law so much. No. But it may not have worked. But also, you know, these are this is a business thing, so people don't really think about this. They sort of especially Hollywood, as yeah. there are so many issues with diversity in Hollywood. Yeah. It's like now they've, they've earned the right now to be able to make these sort of movies. Over the last couple yeah. of years, they've been out now because they've got this proven track record. They can now go, right, we need... Because the budget on this must have been huge. Yeah. Because the amount of special... And I've got to say as well, this is one of the best looking Marvel movies mm. for a long time. And just the, the effects and the space stuff was fucking spectacular. Um, and to not, be able to put out a film like this safely in the assumption that it's going to make a shit ton of money. Yeah. A, puts me a little bit more at ease with the world. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, people are like, well, we do want to make these films, but there might not really, there be a market for it, so it might have to be lower budget, or it might not be this, or it might not be that. But them to fully, fully invest in a film like Black Panther, which mm. is the top earning, yeah, the top earning Marvel film in America. Uh, yeah, domestically, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and it's it one of the top-earning films, box office films of all time. Mm. And then hopefully we'll get the same sort of reaction with this. I mean, it's looking it's, good, it's, yeah. It's, I absolutely welcome it, because it, it, there is a point when you're like, I'm just looking at just another strong white guy. Yeah, exactly. We, and, we, it's, and that's the thing, and that's not to say that... And again, this is if anybody out there that's listening to this that that feels attacked by that, it's not that way at all. It's no. understanding uh, it, that diversity is key. Anyone who feels attacked by that, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. anyone who feels attacked by that should go back over the, the last three episodes we just did, yeah. where we, we talked about how much we love those three movies, who are all based around white male characters. Yeah. So yeah, it's not. Yeah. But also at the same time, if you if you and this is me speaking completely completely openly about this if there's any part of you that feels attacked by me saying that i want to see less white protagonists in something Mm. you really really need to reassess your own views yeah it's as simple as that because you need to understand that this is a bigger world Mm. than just a white guy yeah and that's saying that as a white guy and having the diversity there and having these really open backgrounds and different perspectives on things is brilliant. Yeah. The stuff that we saw in Black Panther with the Afrofuturism, it's just mind-blowing. It just absolutely just completely opened my mind to new things and had no idea of certain situations or how things would occur. I think the the problem people have with it isn't so much that it's the diversity, it's the where they feel like left-wing politics is being shoved down their throat in their entertainment. They want them to be completely separated. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make good entertainment then because entertainment has to ha- pertain to something real, has to have some sort of yeah. it's like cultural relevance. Otherwise, it's, n- it's nothing. And I feel like this one, you know, Captain Marvel did it great. I feel like it did it just the right amount. I feel like in comparison to Black, pa- Black Panther, it was a lot more in your face with its politics, I think. Not in your face. Killmongers. No, yeah, I think that's what I mean. Though I mean, like in the content of the film itself, had a lot more politically motivated things to say. Mm. 
rightly, you know, whether it was from the from the villain or the it was a, more of a political conversation. Yeah, between the villain and the protagonist, that wasn't really the case with Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. It was just there was just a subtle element of it in there. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I feel like they they both had were in a tricky situation. They dealt with it differently, but both very well. Uh, yeah, and it's just just. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy seeing these new ways of thinking, and there are the odd missteps. Yeah, like Doctor Strange. Yeah, with casting the Ancient One. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. But at the I same guess. time, when we do get a win like this and Black Panther, mm. if that spurs on more female-centric yeah. films and uh, BAME-centric films as well would be amazing because it's just going to open up the world mm. to so many more things. Yeah, and they're already thinking along those lines, isn't it? Because um, I think Black Widow is in the works as being a movie. And then what's, what's the martial arts? Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Yeah. That is in the works as being another Marvel movie down mm-hmm. the line, which would be great because we haven't had that either. No. We haven't had any sort of Asian representation on, and on that sort of scale. Yeah. People talked about it with Iron Fist, but the thing with Iron Fist was he was never an Asian character. So you, that would be yeah. rewriting the character just, and that's like, I think like that's what people seem to have an issue with. That's what people seem to think that they, they are changing these characters from their origins in order to be more politically like left leaning. Like yeah. again, it always comes up in terms of star Wars at the moment and the way that there's always um, SJWs, SJWs are taking over Hollywood and all the rest of it. And it's like, no, this is all based on source material. Yeah. So up till now, all the source material that's been adapted, the vast majority of it has been va- based around a white male protagonist. Yeah. Now we're getting more diverse and we're branching out a little bit. We're getting different stuff. Yeah. It's not that they changed it for the movie and then suddenly Captain Marvel character was a white yeah. was a woman. You looked up something about Captain Marvel. One of the top Google searches was was Captain Marvel a man in the comics? Yeah. So I just the Captain Marvel in the comics. I was trying to look up. I tell you what, I was trying to look up. I was trying to look up what her call sign was. When she was a pilot. When she was a pilot. Turns out it was Cheeseburger, which I kind of feel is better. But anyway, (laughs) not to spoil what her actual call sign is, because that is kind of a spoiler. Um, But yeah, that just screamed to me straight away that people are looking for something to get annoyed about. And in that sense, like Captain Marvel has a very complicated origin story. Um, And I think, arguably speaking, yeah, there, there was a male Captain Marvel and she got infused with his powers. And he or it was Marvel, the actual. Mar- don't get yeah. into it; it's very I'll, complicated. I'll get into it another time. Yeah. I'll, I'll get into it in a bit, but. Um, but anyway, the but point, yeah, the point is, is people are looking this, for it. Yeah, this is people looking for yeah. some a reason to complain. This isn't people who are going. This is great. This is something different. This is something of an underrepresented part of the world. Yeah, this is people looking at it and saying. I don't like this thing. I'm going to find more reasons to not like I just, this I thing. Don't, I don't understand it, though. I don't understand the knee-jerk, why they're getting up in arms about it. Because like, I, I was talking about it the other day with you guys, and it's like, there are other Marvel actors who have been very politically outspoken. Mm-hmm. Like, particularly, like Chris Evans hates Donald Trump. Yeah. And will act, So I'm like, right, well, if the, you know, half, the country, half of America voted for Donald Trump, but they all go out to see the, the next Avengers movie and love Captain America. And mm-hmm. it's like, but no, no, no. But the actor said that he hated the guy you voted for. Yeah. So surely that should you should all boycott it, shouldn't you? I was like, no. But when Brie Larson says something, and what Brie Larson said was the the movie A Wrinkle in Time wasn't made for a middle-aged white guy. Yeah. Which it wasn't. <laughs> and but that seems to have been taken and misconstrued as she hates all white men and it's not for it, my movie isn't for you it's like she never said that why why do people look to get uh, offended and get angry about something i don't mm. i don't get it anyway <laughs> and that's the thing it's not you know there are so many aspects of society that look for these things but it's try and understand when something is like again i'd say like captain marvel is a significant leap in positivity. Yeah. But if people are going to continue to be upset about this, like I say, just reframe your views, man. Just yeah. look at yeah, look at what you're getting upset about and realise that might not be for you. Yeah. Don't watch it. Yeah. Or that's... if you are if you and if you don't choose to watch it, then your attitude's never going to change. You're entirely unwilling to 
yeah. take any sort of self-reflection on board. Hmm. But anyway, we're getting right. getting past the politics. Yeah, we need, to, we need to talk about the actual movie. So, um, so the stuff that we can talk about. Yeah, because there are some spoilers. So, but the things I want to talk about, like particularly, like I really, really sorry to cut you off. Um, I really, 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 really want to talk about Brie Larson in this. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. Like, fuck. She was great. She was. She was fucking oh, brilliant. She was a, she from was, the second that she was on screen. Yeah. And this is saying as so like I've only ever seen Brie Larson in Scott Pilgrim yeah. and The Room. Yeah. So I don't have a wealth of experience from oh, Kong Skull Island. Yeah. You know. And so I don't have like a wealth of experience of seeing her or anything else. But seeing her in this was fucking brilliant. She was great. She was great. And she was. I, she was funny. Yeah. She was serious in the. She was funny in the right places. She was serious in the right places. She addressed things in the same way that you would expect Carol to do so. Yeah. Because Carol has like a no bullshit attitude and a really dry sense of humour. Yeah. And it's and that really comes across in this but as well. Yeah, I love that she was. Yeah, her her character was likable, and that's what I think that was the biggest thing. Like her. Like sort of, but there was a bit of a buddy cop thing going on between her and um, Fury, yeah, which was great. And the fact that she just easily slipped into that, like she wasn't. What I was worried about, I guess, is that she was going to be overly earnest, yeah, and like really, really serious, and like I'm on a mission. And but they didn't do that. She was yeah. really like just cool. She was just a cool character. I don't know how else to describe it really. Um, and the thing that got me as well is like cause there was another big sort of controversy, if you like, leading up to this when the trailer came out, like. Saying, "Oh, she's she's she should smile more." How come she's and, not smiling? Oh, fuck's sake. Which, yeah, pisses me off, and it's a sexist bullshit thing. But anyway, what I love is the whole first half of this movie. She's got a giant grin on her face, basically, for the whole thing. She's having a great time, like the character yeah. is, and she's got she's laughing, she's joking, she's like, and she's being a little bit cocky. She's taking the piss out of her boss, yeah. taking the piss out, or whatever. But no, but and it's just spot on. And then they even make a little reference to that. With the bike guy. Yeah. Which is, was fucking perfect. Oh, I, I, I don't know when they wrote that in, but it was fucking perfect. He was being a bit of an arsehole. Not too much of an arsehole. They didn't overdo it. And he said, come on, darling, give us a smile. And he just go, for fuck's sake. And she didn't, again, she didn't like knock him out or anything like that or do something over the top. Just did what she needed to do. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, it, yeah, it's just fucking brilliant from and like i say the the she's fucking magnetic when yeah. she's on the screen because she just commands the entire role yeah. immediately and it's tough because when you look at militarized roles in films mm-hmm. people tend to really really play into that really hard yeah they get all like yeah that's true and they tend to sort of lean in, in into it too much and everyone's this sort of flag waving Super patriot, they're like robotic, aren't they? They're yeah. just like yes, sir, no, sir, three back, and that's it. But yeah, they didn't show. To they didn't as... show a massive amount of her sort of military sort of background, right? Not really, no. But she's she's got that in her. Yeah. You can see that all throughout. So you, you can see that she's got training. You you know that she's this ace pilot. You know that she's been through all these combat missions because she's the first person that. Um, Jude Lord's character sort of talks to as like his mentee. Yeah. Um, and they say, oh, we gifted you this and you can do this and you can do this. And there's, there are no points in this film where she's told you can't do this because watch, as I was watching, I was like, even if you say no, she's going to do it anyway. Yeah. And that's what got me because there, there are people that are like, there, there are tropes in films where they're like, I'm going to do that thing you told me I'm not going to be able to do. And I'm yeah. going to shove it down your throat. Yeah. But in this, the assumption is already there that she's going to do it anyway. Yeah. So you don't have to labour that point. Yeah. And even and that's there is a line towards the end, and I'm I haven't got anything to prove to you. She says, which is fucking perfect. Yeah. I won't tell you the context of how she why no. she says that, but that is sums up exactly the thesis of it, which is perfect. I think. I think to me, I think one of the best scenes of her. Um, and the one that I feel is like if you could encapsulate the whole thing in one scene is the scene between her and what's the girl's name? The Monica. Yeah, Monica's daughter. 
Uh, no, Monica. Monica Rambo. is the daughter. Yeah. Right. Hang on, it's Maria, the mum. That's just confusing. Okay, all right. So Maria's the mum, who's like her best mate, who's also a pilot. She has a daughter, who's Monica. And there's a scene of the two of them just on sat on the porch. Mm-hmm. And again, stuff happens. There's there's an outcome of that scene, but it's a great little scene, and it's just yeah, perfect. It is exactly everything that this character is and will be, and what it's all about. Yeah. And she's not again. She's not earnest. She's not like giving her a speech about why she has to be the best of her. Like she's just hanging out with. You know, she calls her aunt Carol, and yeah. they just they've got a great little. But it's the line when she's like, "You got this." Yeah. And that's a line that's taken from the comics as well. Hmm. And that's a line that has always stuck with me from the comics. That's like one thing that I remember about that is this this one line hmm. that's written in, um, like a diary style prose. Carol writing about an experience and it ends with you got this yeah and she says it to Monica and you're like fuck yes this is what this film is about yeah I love it I love you it. know and then there's there's another bit in there so there's the scene if you any if you've seen any of the trailers you'll see that there is a shift in her costume yeah uh, when I went in, I was like, I really do wonder how they're going to do this. Like, how are they going to do this? They're going to do this. And I was questioning it throughout the whole film. And the point that it happens is so much better than anything that I thought of. Yeah. Just so much better. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, this is great. And there are just these tiny, tiny little moments in the film that are just absolute... I don't want to say flashes of brilliance because that tends to be sort of used in the negative aspect that things around it are bad. Mm. But there are these like really pop moments Just, that you're yeah. like, this is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. fuck, this is great. Yeah. Like, like, I think there was a lot of, there was a, a couple of them in, there was a, an early fight scene when she's still in her green suit. Yeah. Um, and she's fighting, she's got handcuffs on. Or yeah, well, yeah, kind I mean, of handcuffs. You know what I mean. You know yeah, which one I'm talking about. She's fighting scrolls. I mean, we've scroll. seen it in the trailer. That yeah. she's she's fighting her way off a spaceship, um, and there are a few moments in that which are just brilliant. Like she, again, she's being a little bit cocky. Yeah, she's um, holding her own, but it's not. That is the problem. One problem that I have with it, I guess, is that like that fight scene in comparison to the later fight scene. Where she's in a different suit. Yeah. I preferred the earlier one because I feel like what happens later on in the sort of final act is that she does become ridiculously powerful. Yeah. And that is a problem they're going to have with this character in particular. I'll be interested to see how they do it going forward. I think you can just about get away with it in this one. But the, she is a little bit of a Superman, which we've talked about before, yeah. is that who does she fight because she is just all-powerful and like every every fight is just shooting lasers out of her hands, and like, well, okay, what what do you do? Yeah, but then you look at like there's is, and this is something that I've openly addressed on this podcast as well is that who who do you have that can fight Superman? Yeah, well, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, and then what they've the same... and this they've got a Superman here, but one of the things that we never really talk about is who do we get to fight Thor? Yeah. Who do we get to fight the Hulk? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because that's true. they are these just ridiculous things. That just, especially Hall, especially Thor, who's just swinging a hammer around and you know can yeah. teleport and has this super space hammer and yes, you know Thor the first is, time yeah. that he comes across Thanos, he almost kills him. Yeah, and then he doesn't kill him because he fucked up. Yeah, you know, but by having these things in there, we've already seen that you know yeah, Carol can hold her own against everyone, but when she's in like a one-on-one fight with someone, she can still get beaten around a bit. Yeah. And yeah, she's got these incredible powers. But if you look around in the comic books, there are, you know, she can get hurt. Yeah, I'm sure they'll find ways around it. And given the way they leave it set up for what will eventually be Captain Marvel 2, yeah. I can see there'll, there'll be ways around that. But in on the context of her being like on Earth, Amongst the Avengers, she just feels like she's super, super powerful. I have no doubt in my mind that the Russo brothers and the guys who are doing Endgame are gonna. It, she'll fit into that 
well because we said we've we said the same thing about Thor. Yeah, he's he's too powerful. How's he going to work? Because to see Captain Marvel do what she did in this movie, and then she's going to stand next to Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, who's just just a woman with a gun. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, but I'm sure they'll find a way to make it work because they always do. Yeah, um, and they'll. But then you look at Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch is crazy Ludicrous-y powerful. Ludicrously powerful. Yeah, true, true. Um, and I hope, yeah. I, Endgame is the next bit, um, which is something we we'll have to talk about again. I think post post spoilers. Yes, um, I'm just trying to think what else we've got sort of that we can talk about in a non spoilery. Certain people in the cast, Sam Jackson, yeah, was amazing in this movie. It was great to see him back because he's sort of disappeared a little bit in the Marvel universe over the last few movies. But he gets to come back in this one and play. He's a very, very different Nick Fury than yeah. we used to. But I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. He just he was. It was recognisably still the same character, but a lot more light-hearted, a lot more fun. Um, and yeah, he was he was absolutely brilliant, and um, I, I enjoy. I would love to see more of that. Yeah, and it's like showing us a younger Fury, mm. showing him. Taking things, doing things in a different way. Yeah, that isn't just pulling a gun on somebody. Yeah, that's it. To be honest, the only sort of disappointment I had with Fury, I guess, is that it was great to see him. But the only thing that I wish they'd done a little bit more of is that I was expecting there to be a character arc for him a bit. Yeah, whereby he starts off like that, and then by the end of it, he's a lot more hardened and sort of cynical and and, yeah. a, bit, and a bit more like the Nick Fury we know. But that's not to say they can't still do that. They could still get do that different. Like everyone's talking at the moment about Disney Plus and every single character in Marvel is getting their own TV series, so that could end up happening. Who knows? Um, Quite possibly. But for the for this movie, it was great, um, and I'm loving that we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of him this year because um, he's gonna be in Spider Man as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he was awesome. Um, I thought the de aging on him looked amazing. Yeah, ludicrous. Yeah. Like, I mean, Sam Jackson is a man that has has aged particularly well. He has. Yeah, he's like he's in his seventies now. It's crazy. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and you know he's playing somebody that would be at this point in his life in his forties. Mm. But go back to a film that was released a year before this film was set. Yeah. So this film was what ninety four. So go back That's and look negotiator. at negotiator. Is what I was thinking. Jurassic Park. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. But I think I think the thing is like that what this showed for me in terms of the de-aging because the de-aging they've done on a few different people now. They've done it on Sam Jackson, they've done it on Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, and then in this movie as well they did it on Clark Gregg. Yeah. I think the weakest of all of them has been Clark Gregg. It did look a little bit rubbery, a little bit weird. It, yeah, it looked a little rubbery. And I but... think the reason for that is probably because if you think the other three that we're talking about there, so Sam Jackson, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Michael Douglas, they've all been movie stars for like 30 years. Yeah. So when they're going back and doing this digital recreation, they've got stuff, they've got reference points to yeah. draw on. They can go back to Sam Jackson in Jurassic Park and go, that's what he looked like when he was in his 40s. Mm-hmm. And then they can recreate it. Clark Gregg, not so much. Yeah. He only really came about in Iron Man and yeah. it's become a thing now. But like, there's no, they don't have lots of stock footage of him in all the movies he was no. in in the nineties. The references material is going to kind of going to come from photography. Yeah, and I feel like that. But at the same time, like, there didn't seem to be that much on there. No, it wasn't too bad. Him. And it, and he didn't. To be honest, he like he didn't do. He wasn't in it as much as I thought he was going to be. No. Um, they did. They spent a lot more time with Fury. Fury was very much a key character in this. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they were able to have him be in like the whole movie almost and have him de-aged just sort of. Yeah. It speaks to the, speaks to the level of technology that we have available. Because now. They, they're already, um, our mate we went to go and see it with mentioned something as we, as we were doing it. It's like, if it's that good and they can do it for a whole movie, we need to see a Hank Pym movie. Yeah. Michael Douglas de-aged him, set it in the cold war when he was being the Ant-Man. And I, yeah, I would fucking love that. That would be amazing well, if have, they could do that. Have what we saw before, which was what we've seen in the in the Ant Man and Wasp films. Have the original Ant Man and Wasp. Yeah, you know, yeah, Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, 
Are you kidding? Yeah, Mich- <laughs> Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer fighting the communists. Communism's bad. Like, just not even fighting communists, just fighting Hydra. Yeah. I know, because... Like 1980s Hydra. Yeah, 19... And then in 1980s Hydra, or 1970s Hydra, you can have the green costumes. Yeah. The green, like, cloth costumes with the yellow bug eyes and the Hydra emblem on their foreheads and... Yeah. You know, Maybe. have it like that, but obviously not like neon green or anything like that, but have it in sort of like a fatigue sort of way. And yeah, who knows? I mean, we. I feel like everything's going to change when we get to Endgame. Yeah. The whole MCU is going to be completely different, um, which is something we have to talk about in a bit. Um, but yeah, Captain Marvel, I mean, so yeah, Sam Jackson was great. Um, I thought Ben Mendelsohn was brilliant. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil anything about Ben Mendelsohn, but what I will say is that he's playing against type yeah. in this. And it's great to see that. Because right. I made a joke to you as we were going in, going, do you reckon he'll be like this? Because he does seem, he has sort of been written into a bit of a corner where he's typecast. Yeah. And he plays the same character in everything that he's in. Not so much in this. No. Can't tell you why. Because no. be a spoiler. Yeah, the the overall story as well. Mm. Went totally different to how I expected. Yeah, we, me too. We're going to go into more depth, obviously, in post spoiler tag. But the the story was equally, yeah, it's sort of fairly tried and tested ground. Yeah, about having a superhero origin film and how to do it, but it did it in such a new way. It did it in like a retroactive way. The idea of her discovering about herself after the fact. Um, which again isn't anything new, really. I suppose it's again we talked about it before about the amnesia thing being something we've seen in like the Bourne franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an element of it. Um, but there was a lot of yeah, there was a lot of I don't know t- talking about manipulation and being told one story when it's actually something else, and yeah. and finding your way through all that when people are trying to steer you one way or another. Which again is a really strong message. To have in a kid, in a movie that a lot of kids are obviously going to watch, um, they're going to be you know it makes you get, don't just accept accept things on face value. Don't just if someone tells you something, don't yeah. just blindly accept it. Again, I'm t- we're talking around it because it's a spoiler, but you will see what I mean when you watch the movie. Yeah, and then can we just say pre-spoilers, Goose. Oh fuck! Goose the cat. Like I did wonder. Like there was a few times where like it did feel a little shoehorn. It's like why do they keep going back to this cat? Like what 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 are they getting at? But again, once they got to the point of what they were getting at, it did make sense. <laughs> and that's that's the thing that I have from the comics is so Goose is a name change. Yeah. In the comics, he's Chewy. Yeah. In this, he's Goose. And he's fucking great. And you will see everywhere that people are like, Goose spoil, uh, Goose steals the show. Yeah, he does a little bit. <laughs> and I, what I want to say is, don't just go in expecting this to be the Goose show with this cat running around doing hijinks and antics. Go in and watch the film, but also the Goose stuff is fucking great. The Goose is great. And it yeah. is really fun. And it's never, it doesn't ever feel too laboured. No. No, again, they they just about get it right. I mean, yeah, you say that. There are a couple of points, particularly with where they use a CG version of him. Yeah. Where it just feel a little bit weird. Like, there's a bit where they're, t- they're taking off in a plane, and he's, like, pinned to the thing. And it, oh, it's funny that. to look at, but it does feel like... It, it, it looks like a little cartoon cat, almost. Yeah. That they're, like, going, oh, look at the cartoon cat. And it's just a little bit... Okay. Um, but when it does... When you get the final payoff... It all makes sense and it all works. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's the big. That's a thing now. One of the one of the biggest talking points of a Marvel movie was the ginger cat called Goose who just followed them around. Yeah, um, but that's yeah, brilliant. <laughs> okay, so I think now is a fairly good time to say spoilers from here on out. Spoiler alert! Um, right, spoilers from this point onwards. So, the big turn in the middle of the movie. What? Yeah, spo- come back 
to this point. Come back to this point, yeah. So if you if you first go and watch the movie, then come back and listen to this. So, <laughs> yeah. the big turn in the middle of the movie is really good. Because so the idea is that it turns out that the scrolls that she's been fighting, that she thinks are the bad guys, are like these refugees who are just like being they. The only reason that they the Kree are going after them is because they didn't bow down to the Kree Empire. Yeah, which fits more with what we know of the Kree from previous movies and stuff. Yeah. Like we knew about Ronan the Accuser being a Kree warlord. And the Kree used to have like war slaves. That was what um, Yondu was sold into that. Yeah. And the idea of the Kree Empire and like they had an uneasy truce with the Nova Corps and all the rest of it. So the it does. Zandarians. Yeah, Zandarians, sorry. Yeah. So it does make sense that they're actually turns out to be the bad guys. But what I love is the whole idea of her be, having sort of been. Oh, turns out you're on the, in this war. You've been fighting on the wrong side the whole time. Yeah. You just didn't know. And it's like, and it's that being used, yeah, to fill somebody else's agenda just because of how powerful you are, yeah, and having your true history hidden from you by somebody that just wants to exploit you for what you are and what you have. But that's, I think, what I love about it, I guess, is that it it works on two levels in the in the context of the movie itself. It's a really cool like character point and makes makes you start questioning things. But outside of that, in the context of us as viewers going in and watching it, we went into the movie with every expectation in our minds that oh cool, it's the scrolls. The scrolls are the bad guys. And they got Ben Mendelssohn, who is Hollywood's go to bad guy these days, playing the lead scroll. And I was like, Great, we're finally getting the scrolls. Scrolls are the bad guys, the big green, scary looking monster aliens, and we're gonna go kick some ass, we're gonna fight the scrolls. And then we had our expectations. What we what we had in our mind, we were like almost like racist against the scrolls. Yeah. Like they're the bad guys. Yeah, beat them up. Yeah, get them. And then halfway through, they go, "No, no, they're all right." And we go, "Oh shit!" Well, this film isn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like yeah. straight away, you're like, "Oh, so Ben Mendelsohn isn't playing the villain." Such, and that's one of the things that I keep going back is. In the MCU is the casting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the oh, oh fuck, I forgot her name. Bear with me. Um Casting director. Yeah. Sarah Halley Finn. Yeah. Is Jesus fuck. Like that she's amazing. Yeah, man. And the fact that and specifically me saying it about this is that she's recognised these presuppositions that we've had. Yeah. So she knows we all go, Oh, Ben Mendelson, he'll be playing the bad, bad guy then. And they've played up on that, and so she knows not only can I get this guy, and he is a great actor, and he does a really good job in this, as he always does, he's always good, but by casting him, before the movie comes out, everyone's got an expectation of what we're going to get out of him, Yeah, and then he doesn't do it. Brilliant. Fucking brilliant. I look, yeah, it was absolutely amazing bit of work. Um, and his performance as well. I mean, Jude Law is in this, who... You know he's good, but he's, he doesn't. It's not particularly stand out. That's the one thing I feel like Jude Law was great, but I do feel like they could have got more out of him. Yeah, because Jude Law is great. Yeah, like flat out. Like particularly over the last few years, he's had a bit of a renaissance. Um, and I think he he's genuinely really really good. And he could have. I think they could have got more out of him. They could still. Yeah, he's not gone yet. Um, again, not spoiling. And what I will say is, well, we can spoil. We're in spoilers. Yeah, but. When we, one of the continual things that you and I have always said about off air, on air, is the way that Marvel kill off villains. Yeah. And like every time we go and see it, I'm like, they are burning through villains. Yeah, yeah, true. And yeah. by killing them off. And then we're now in this sort of second wind stage where people aren't being killed off. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Zemo is still, still alive. around. Yeah. Um, you know, Loki's dead, obviously, but. The, you, like Zemo I speak for a sort of prime example of and yeah it was good as well they had a couple of the um, actors from Correct. Guardians um, yeah and Lee Pace was back yeah. as the accuser Lee Pace in a surprisingly understated performance I know it's crazy right um, but the only the only slight sort of as much as I really love the, the bait and switch they've done with the scrolls the only concern I have I guess is that it's 
they are a, they would be a great adversary. They would be a great like back, and they play with this idea a little bit in the first sort of the half of the movie, because the idea of the scrolls is that they can shape shift into anyone. Yeah, and they can use that to manipulate people, take on their appearance, and and like get themselves in. And they do that a little bit. They've got a couple of scenarios that play themselves out in the first half of the movie, which are really cool. You could do a whole thing about that, and there's the the comic book storyline that everyone's talking about is obviously Secret Invasion, mm-hmm. where the scrolls invade the planet. By taking on the appearances and assuming the identities of people in the Avengers, people in governments, people in, and they secretly take over the world. That's a great storyline and could be done really well. However, given this, what they've done in, with the scrolls in this movie, mm. I don't know how you can even do that again. And I feel like that is kind of a wasted potential because the, if you've set them in, you've set so, them up as good guys. You, I don't know how you can turn them back around again and have them use their powers they're really cool stuff yeah for evil <laughs> i think what they've done fairly cleverly is they've used um you know because they are sort of addressing the fact that they're saying we're not like a war race we we're refugees yeah but what they can do is they can frame this around the sort of islamophobia that is maybe. prevalent in a lot yeah, of maybe. places in the world at the moment because there are these awful, awful things happening to Muslims across the entire world. Mm. But there are these sort of splinter groups that are deliberately exploiting these fears Mm. and which is causing this whole zeitgeist against it. So they could use that as a parallel by saying that that there there are these splinter groups of scrolls that are going around and doing this because she openly says to them that they're terrorists. Yeah, that's true. And they're like, we've been in this war. Our hands are not clean. Shit, I hadn't thought of that. That's a cool idea, actually. Well, it's it's a cool idea, but it's a very, it's a dangerous idea in terms of getting that political. But I can see it like getting to a point where, you know, you have a splinter group of um, scrolls who are essentially an analogue for Islamic State. Yeah. And they're the ones who are militant and the ones who are the bad guys. Yeah. That's it. That is interesting. But I yeah. But it's done so much in other media. Mm. Like the exploitation of real world fears through references and um, you know, metaphors. Yeah. It's like they won't yeah, they won't bow down to the Cree war machine like they, we won't bow down to democracy and the American war machine. Yeah. It's the as the analogue, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. We won't just accept your way of life because that's what you tell us. Exactly. Yeah. And they're saying that we want this to get away. Yeah. (sighs) It'd be great if they could go down that line. I don't know if they will, but yeah. Um, I mean, that's one of the things that they're addressing is like, you look at like the Asgardian situation, you know, all Asgardians are now refugees. They have nowhere to be. Um, But having these wider range of effects is slowly spreading the Marvel world out and yeah. slowly sort of unfurling this galaxy rather than just slapping it down in front of you and going, yeah. this is what this means, this is what this means. It's just this slow, organic growth that they've had since pretty much day one. Yeah. And they're now addressing these wider things. Yeah, and speaking of that, speaking of organic growth, what I think is the, a really clever thing they've done in this, we haven't said it yet, is that they've built themselves in time and They've clearly thought out what the sequel's going to be. Yeah. And maybe even the sequel after that. Like, the fact that they've set this in the 90s uh, doesn't really impact the story that much. All it does is, like, they could have, in theory, had it be set, you know, around the same time as Ant-Man or whatever, couldn't they? And just have yeah. her have an origin story and then she's there. They could have done it at any point. Yeah, well, apart from... The, the problem is now, I guess, in the middle of Infinity War. Yeah putting out an origin story would be a bit, you know, but it would throw people. So they, they would have to have said it somewhere. But anyway, the reason they've done it is, that, and the only reason I can think is because they are thinking about Captain Marvel 2 and Captain Marvel 3, and they're going to give her more adventures because at the end of this movie, she doesn't stay on Earth. She flies off to help out the scrolls find yeah. a new place to live and just go and kick some ass. So yeah. she goes off somewhere, and that's the 90s, and then presumably... There is now going to be some time. There's going to be some stuff to fill in about where she's been during all the other Marvel movies that have been going on. Mm-hmm. 
Because I guess the problem people are going to have now is the constant question is going to be if Nick Fury has had a direct page to her, why hasn't he summoned her? Or is it, you know, or asked, why didn't he ask for her help in the first Avengers movie? Yeah, with Shatari. That's just one of those things. I think is people are going to have to go over it. But I think the issue that they're going to have, I guess, is that by doing that the way they've done it, they're going to start confusing like your general audiences because the next time we see Carol is going to be in Avengers Endgame. Yeah. But the time we see her after that, Captain Marvel 2 might be set before Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. And most people, people aren't going to get that. I think if you put a time card, uh, like so. a, day, a year card or something, because they've done it with other things. They have, but I don't know if they've ever... Because fairly... Like, if you look at like the Marvel chronology in terms of the way we watch the movies, mm. like, Winter Soldier comes after Captain America, uh, comes after the Avengers. Yeah. So it all fits in. So the fact that she's going to go and have a team-up movie and yeah. then go back in time to her own or to a sequel... That's set before the pre... Like, it's never happened... Do you know what I mean? But it's like setting Iron Man 3 before the Avengers. Yeah. Would be weird. Yeah. And, and, it would throw, and it's a continuous storyline that people follow through from film to film. So to have it jump backwards again, having seen her, whatever happens in Endgame, we know she's in it. <laughs> there's a post credit scene, which is yeah, fucking there's a, amazing. There's a post credit scene, and we're not, we are in full spoilers, but we're not going to talk about... No, let's not. Let's not. Because there is a there is a post credits thing that pertains to Endgame. Yes, and there is another post credit scene, <laughs> which is fucking brilliant. Yeah, I think they they've settled into a rhythm now in terms of the post credits. Is that the the first one is setting something up for the next movie? Yeah, and then the one at the very end is like a little joke. Yeah, it's a little light. It doesn't necessarily have any impact on the plot. Yeah. I think that was a lot, like I think it may have been Iron Man three that was the start of that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because the first one was the was the first bit was about the Mandarin, or was it? No, oh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. And what they can probably do is just say nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, they could do. Or they could but have. Then, or think... they could have a. Three weeks earlier, maybe. But the, that's the thing. I think it's all going to be set in space. Yeah. Well, the vast majority of it is going to be set in space. Anyway. Well, they've they've kind of said, haven't they, about the the way that the MCU is going to be post Endgame? Yeah, it's is, half. There's going to be half of this is going to be the sort of the celestial space, cosmic stuff, Eternals, cosmic. Yeah. And then there's going to be this more grounded, yeah. Earth based because predominance has been on Earth. But we've seen that stuff like. Guardians, Ragnarok, work. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So why um, not expand into that? And that's kind of something I expected to see and they didn't do here was seeing the effects of the snap across the universe. Yeah. I mean, there might be, actually, to be fair, there might be something we do end up seeing. We may do, yeah, Endgame. but this is 1994. No, no, in Endgame, I mean. So because uh, okay. Carol obviously gets the page from Nick Fury, but we haven't seen her receiving it. No. So maybe we'll see that. Maybe there will be a scene at, towards the beginning of Endgame where we see her get the page and where, wherever she is in the universe at that point, people start fading away. Yeah. That's what, because I kind of wanted to see that because I wanted to see just the the breadth of what he did. The fact that it's not just contained to Earth. Mm-hmm. It's fucking the entire universe. And she's the only one who's out there at the moment who can yeah. show us that. I think they definitely will I think address will it in Endgame. That. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll give... Us a taste of how wide-reaching this is, yeah. Um, because it might be that you know Carol is still looking after the scrolls, maybe, but or, then, yeah, or is but then acting the as a guardian, and then all of a sudden, like half of them disappear, mm. and her first reaction is going to be like somebody's done something here, and then the pager goes off. Mm. Well, I don't know because if she's still looking after the scrolls, then you've sort of written yourself into a corner in terms of where you can go with her sequels. Oh, really? Because she she can always she can always go off and come back. It's like the Avengers stuff is by being like it's taking sort of the the loose concern of when people say, "Where was Thor during Iron Man 3? Yeah, doesn't fucking matter. You're watching an Iron Man film. Yeah, you know, in and it's in and it'll be like they'll be like, "Oh well," like you say, 
Carol is looking is acting as this sort of guardian of the scrolls. And then but then she's like Oh, I've got to go over and do this. I've got to go and now do this. I've got to go and do this. And she chuffs off and goes and saves the day and then comes back and maybe she's there as like a protector or maybe she's called upon, she has a communicator that they call her on and say, mm. you know, we need help or we need so-and-so. Or she's out there writing wrongs and, you know, taking names and ki- kicking ass. Damn it. Beat me to it. I was going to say kicking names and taking that, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, you beat me to it. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I can't wait to see. Like, I'm hoping for the, the Captain Marvel 2 will be, there'll be a bit more of this cosmic, the war between the scrolls. Because that's something she said as well. She said to um, Jude Law's character, um, I want you to go back to the Grand Intelligence and tell them I'm coming for her and I'm going to burn the whole thing down. Yeah. I'm going to bring the whole, all the lies, all the manipulation, all the bullshit that you that is the Kree Empire. I'm taking it down. Yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> like, tell you know I me. Mean? Like when she said that, I was like, oh, fuck, they don't have time to do that now. I was like, damn it. I was like, I realised that. Like, I want, I kind of want there to be another act to see some of that, but there's not. We can't do it now because we've we've been here for two hours. Yeah. Shit. All right, fine. Do it in the next one. But yeah. hurry up. Like, like, <laughs> Give us it all now. That's what I want. And that's kind of what I wanted from this first one. But I know that they're going to get there. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They, and they're planning things out way, way ahead of time. Um, And yeah, they're just fucking killing it, man. Just the, That's what I turned around to you at the end of this is that we just went, I've done it again. Yeah. I've done it again. I was just like... But what, what I'm enjoying is that each time they put out, each time Marvel puts out a consistently great film, and they go, "Here's another film," and you're like, "Fuck, that's brilliant!" Every time you watch it, you go, "You know what? Actually, that is great. It's another one that's genuinely really, really good." Yeah, because sometimes we, I think, I think you and I both had to worry that we're fanboying out. Yeah, and it's it's blinding us a little bit. But like you say, I'm confident enough now that when I go back and revisit this. It will still be as good, yeah. Um, and when I watch it again, and you know, and we sort of pour over it a little bit more, it will stand up, and it'll go. No, you know, no. Outside of the excitement and the sort of the the fanfare that comes with the new Marvel movie, genuinely, this is a really good film. Yeah. End of story. Um, and you know, every comic is someone's first comic. If this was someone's first Marvel movie, I think it would make perfect sense. Yeah, it, it would actually be a quite good jumping on point. Yeah, it would. Absolutely, um, because of when it's set and all the rest of it, and the there's not too much world building like connected. It's not like an Iron Man two where there's no. lots of other cameos and things. Um, yeah, what else is? What else do we want to say about in spoilers? Uh, Goose is some sort of weird tentacle monster. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what? It's a Furian. <laughs> no, it's a. Flarkin. <laughs> Flarkin. Very dangerous, put it in the cage. Scat, ma- human male. Threat. Z- <laughs> mild to none. That thing's got to be broken. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But yeah, there, there are so many... But there are so many, like... Relatable jokes in this. Yes. So the point when... <laughs> So there's the point when Talos walks into the house that uh, that walks into Maria Rambo's house, and Goose walks out, and he just immediately recoils. Yeah, that's that's part of the like. There's a but like that. There's a couple of scenes around that time when he starts turning, and you go, "This isn't. He's not the bad guy." Yeah, there's a way. That's not a very bad guy thing to yeah. do. And then that's when it all comes around because up to that point, he'd been kind of a stereotypical sort of. I am the general, and uh, like an evil yeah. scene chewing. Yeah, exactly. But one thing I did like is there's a slight call ahead. Yeah. So when you see how he's not actually this super serious guy, and he's, you know, he's got a sense of humor about him, and he's willing to have a laugh and a joke. When the thing happens earlier, when they're walking out the sea and they take on the forms of the surfers. Yeah, and he does it, and then he looks around. And someone else has taken the same one. He's like, "This one is taken." <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's that like, little, yeah, you're right. That is a like, little hint. Of what's to come? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I just love <laughs> his science guy. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. So, what, just, is it in orbit? Yeah. You didn't think of that? You're my science guy. It's just like, <laughs> I love it yeah it's like that's what I love as well is that the, the humour of the movie has come from the most unexpected places it's come from the scrolls and it's come from Nick Fury yeah Nick Fury the most super serious dude from the later movies and the scrolls who we all went in expecting to just be the bad guys yeah and those are the funniest <laughs> parts of the film yeah and get all the best jokes and best laughs um yeah, I, who knew? But, Again, that I love that they're at their twenty movies in, and they can still surprise me. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing. And like, a bit, again, saying about the humour, like, as somebody that's known in sort of like my outside life as being somebody that's quite dry. Yeah, I fucking love Brie Larson in this because she's so just like bone dry. Yeah, in her comedy, and I'm like, this is fucking perfect. Yeah, she's great. She's yeah, yeah I can't. I, I love it. like I'll be interested to see her in when she interacts with all the others but the, I think yeah. the problem well it's not a problem but the thing we're going to have in Endgame is that no one's going to be cracking jokes in Endgame not after what's happened no but maybe down the line maybe down the line when things are a little bit more relaxed we'll mm-hmm. get back to Carol being Carol and maybe they can do stuff like have the um, relationship between her and Spider-Man yeah which would be amazing to see because in the in the oh. comic books, yeah, exactly. Think about like, that now. Yeah, like, I abs- absolutely ship that in the comics. Uh, because in the comic books, there's a whole thing going on with um, yeah, Spider-Man basically has a crush on Captain Marvel. Well, the thing is, it's one of those that they um they have like an unrequited crush on one another. But she doesn't know like, how young he is, does she? Isn't that a thing? Sh- no, she does. But because in the comics, they're around the same sort of age. Oh, okay. Okay. So in this, it would be there is yeah, there's a significant difference. Okay. That Peter wasn't even born in 1994. I don't think. You think he's in high school? He's 15 when Civil War came out. Oh, shit. Jesus, he would have been born in like 2000. Yeah. Fuck. Oh. So oh, that's God, gonna so, be tough. That makes me feel so old. You are old as fuck. I'm not old. Fuck you off. <laughs> I'd want it to be, I'm, I can't relate to Peter Parker anymore. I'm sat here wearing his fucking high school jumper right now. I'm wearing a sweatshirt from Peter Parker's high school. <sighs> but he's a whole different generation. Yeah, I know. He's like my younger brother. He's not me anymore. I get it, all right? It's fine. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not bitter about it at all. <laughs> I'm just in my, in my room doing crunches, doing being strong, you know? <laughs> but yeah. And this weird thing happened. I've got to say, weird things happen to me a lot. But this is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I can't wait for that to come out on Blu-ray. Um, talking about Edge of Spider-Verse for you readers. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I was quoting um, Into the Spider-Verse. Um, <sighs> don't know what else to say. I don't really know what else to say. Go watch um, it. <laughs> go and watch it. If you're any sort of Marvel fan, then you'll definitely enjoy it. But I would also say I think this is a good jumping on point. This, yeah, this is a good jumping on point for anybody. Also, we have... We have specifically avoided some things that are in this film. Yeah. Because whilst we are in a spoiler section, um, there are things that are just better to find out as you go. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So we're not going to go through beat by beat and tell you what what is a spoiler and what isn't because things that are organically in there that you're going to enjoy. If you're not worried about finding out that Yon Rog was the bad guy... yeah. Then that's fine. That's what we're here for. I think, yeah, because there, I think the thing with um, Jude Law's character is there's been lots of speculation about his character since day one. Yeah, like for the, for ages, and there was like, oh, it's been leaked by a pop Funko or whatever about who he really is. Is he playing Marvel? Like everyone was on the, the going down the route of him playing mm-hmm. Marvel at one point. Um, so anything surrounding that, again, we we're not going to get into now because it's better to just go watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, go go watch it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's it's a fun film. It's um it's got a great soundtrack. It looks amazing. Yeah, everyone's great in it. Um and the, yeah, they've done it again. And and I can't fucking wait for Endgame. Uh, can't wait. Not long. Uh, it's literally Not it's long. like a month away now. So they've yeah, it's, yeah, it's unreal. Like six weeks. It's about, yeah, six so... weeks. 
and it will be happening the same weekend as the Battle of Winterfell, apparently. So, wow, that's going to be a hell of a weekend. I might have to book some time off. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, man. Well, right, cool. yeah, but there again. So that's probably a good time to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, thanks again for listening, everybody. Um, you can find us on all the socials. Mm-hmm. One thing I would ask is is drop us a line and let you know what you let us know what you thought as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is going to be this is definitely going to prompt a lot of discussion. This movie, one yeah. way or on the other. Um, so join the conversation and let us know what you think. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you wish we had talked about that we didn't? Um, yeah, we're or... at the, the Omcast Pod on Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Instagram. Yeah, the Omcast Pod at Gmail dot com yeah, is email. our email address. Drop us a message if you you know if you've got any sort of you know we've been quite gushy over this, but if you have any sort of genuine things mm. that you think are issues, then drop us a message and you know we'll either have an open dialogue about it or we will you know address it on the show. Yeah, um, yeah, that's it. Great. So, so thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're gonna do completely away from Marvel again. Now we're gonna do another sort of grand rewatch type thing. <laughs> And we're going to talk about um, Get Out, I think, aren't yeah. we? So we're going to do Get Out, because there's a new movie from Jordan Peele. Uh, the guy who directed Get Out is doing a movie called Us, mm-hmm. which screened this weekend at South by Southwest and has been getting some amazing buzz already. Yeah, um, It's like a horror movie with Lupita Nyong'o, um, amongst others. But anyway, we, that's what we're moving on to next. So it'll be very different from the last few weeks. Um, but we look forward to talking about that and see you yeah. there. Very very excited yeah that'd be cool alright see you guys see you later bye bye that's what the file is named Mm -hmm. Cat Marvel